Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. What he's going to do. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Knowing this, everybody say, knowing this. That's a nice way of saying, you know, pay attention right here. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He's not going to hold back. If you want if you want wisdom, and I'm not just talking about worldly wisdom, I'm talking about you want wisdom to understand the things of God. He's not going to withhold that from you. If you're seeking him, you will find him. So he tells us, if you're lacking wisdom, ask God and he'll, he'll give you liberally wisdom. He wants you to know him. He wants you to understand him. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Key factor right there. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I want to receive something from the Lord today, don't you? What have we got? 35, 40 minutes left of this service today. Before long, you're going to start smelling the Italian bread, the Italian pasta over there, and it's going to come through, and your stomach's going to start rumbling. So why don't you give me... Give me the next 30, 35 minutes of your time. Nothing wavering. Let your heart be in tune with God. We'll, we'll take care of your stomach later. Because the word of the Lord says that those that waver, they're not going to receive anything of the Lord. I need your full attention, or rather, God needs your full attention right here, right now. I want to just preach to you nothing wavering. Everybody say nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. God bless you. you. May be seated. The book of James was thought to be written by James, the brother of Jesus. You know, he's making some pretty bold statements here. He's uh, trying to influence us. He's trying to help us have an attitude. Brother Jones's message was talking about our attitude in difficult times. Great. Great lesson again today. I gleaned so much from, from those Sunday morning Bible studies that we have. And, and James was doing much the same way. As a matter of fact, a lot of the Bible, you'll see where it is telling you that, that hard times will come, that life is not perfect. And I, I think anybody that's been, you know, on the planet longer than, than five or six years can, can come to an understanding and their own conclusions that, that sometimes things don't go the way that they we would like for them to go. And so James is trying to tell us that, you know, temptations, different temptations are going to come our way, different trials, 
different tests that are going to try to dissuade us or persuade us uh, <coughs> to, to walk away from God. And he says, when those things come, that you're to count it all joy, knowing that there is a purpose, and that purpose of those temptations, those trials, those tests, is that it helps us work patience. We all need patience. But there's a purpose to patience. The Bible says that when patience has her perfect work, it makes the person that has become patient perfect. I'm not there yet. I'm a pretty patient fellow. I really am. I don't go off half-cocked. I don't have knee-jerk reactions to most things. Uh, my wife and I, uh, uh, every once in a while, somebody say, come up to us and say, no, no, you might want to sit down for this one. You might want, and my wife will look at me, and then she'll look back. She said, brother or sister, whoever it is that she's talking to, there's probably very few things that you could say that would really bowl us over. We've heard, seen, been a part of, uh, experienced just about everything in life that there is to experience. James, you need to understand something about James. He was more than just a mouthpiece when he was saying these things or writing these things down. You know, a lot of people talk a, a big talk, and when it comes time to, to stand up for what they said, they, they, they have a little more trouble doing that. And James was one of those men that got the opportunity. The circumstances were right to find out if he really was what he was talking and claiming that he was and telling us that we should be. See, James didn't die of old age. History would tell us that he was speaking and talking and having conversation. There were those that were there that were against him, and he had a few things to say, and they didn't like what he had to say, and they were trying to shut down this whole Jesus thing that was spreading like wildfire, and they took James up to the highest point of the temple, and they threw him off of that highest point of the temple until he fell on the ground, but it did not kill him. Sure didn't feel good. Sure, he was probably injured and maimed, but he was still alive, and so they ran down and began to pick up stones, and as they did in that day and hour when they felt that somebody deserved to die, they would oftentimes stone them, and they began to pick up stones and hurl these stones at, at this man who was still saying, forgive them, they, they don't know what they're doing. You know, uh, God, uh, th these people, they don't understand you. He was praying for them while they're killing him, and, and James, then finally somebody reaches down and picks up a club and ends his life. Not a pleasant way to perish. But he tells us, something in his death. He tells us that the words that were written in James were more than just for you and I. It was something that he was willing to live by because even though they were beating him, even though his life was coming to an end, and even though he probably could have stopped it by, by rejecting what he had been saying, say, you know what, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll just step back slowly into the bushes here and walk away. 
No, he went out an unwavering child of God. He was not willing to back down. He wasn't going to back up. He wasn't going to change his story just because the pressure was on. But James left us a statement that he was a man that when it came to his relationship with Jesus Christ was unwavering. Maybe you've heard the term it's used in business quite a bit, conflict of interest. <clears throat> conflict of interest is a situation where a person or an organization is involved in more than just one thing, more than just one institution, or, or, or has more than one interest. And, and, and if they get involved in too many things, it could become a conflict of interest. I'll give you a little example. Uh, many, many, many years ago, uh, back when I was still working for FedEx, back in the uh, late 80s and early 90s, uh, I was a, a part-time courier there and trying to make money. I had a, this new family, and uh, my wife and I had been married about three, three years. My daughter had just been born, and we had another child on the way, and I was still working part-time for them. And and I was looking for another job to kind of help supplement. And I went to my boss, and I said, can I get any more hours? And she was like, well, right now there's really just not enough to go around, and I'm giving you all that I can give you, but I have to be fair. And she was trying to do what she could. I said, well, I'm going to have to pick up a part-time job then, you know. And she said, well, that's fine. You can go out and pick up a part-time job. She said, you just can't go and work for UPS. He said, that would be a conflict of interest. You see, the two companies have been rivals for a long time. I know I've seen the, the UPS salesman in there trying to, trying to take uh, the, the FedEx uh, business away. I've seen the FedEx guys go in there and try to, try to take the UPS uh, business away. Uh, I've seen this conflict over the years. And one thing that my boss understood was, you know what, you might be able to give them some work. You might even be able to do a, a good work for them, but there would come a point in time where your loyalty is going to have to go one way or the other. If you want to go work for the boys in brown, then you're going to have to work for them, but you can't work for them and us at the same time. It's a conflict of interest. You're going to have to choose one or the other. Fortunately for me, I, I stuck with where I was at. Made a career that lasted over three decades there. You know, there's just no possible way that you could remain completely loyal to both companies. That is understood. What we have is a lot of people that are fence walkers. I remember... I've told this story several times, so bear with me if you've heard it before, but I find myself using it over and over again because it was almost an epiphany for me when I got to thinking about this at one point. I asked myself, God, why is it so hard for people just to stick with it? I mean, this church would be running seven, 800 people if everybody had walked through our doors and come down to our altars and prayed and felt your felt your touch, this, this church would be running uh, a massive amount of people. But where is everybody? And I, I, that's bothered me. Why, why is that such a, a hardship for people just to serve you? 
And this little story came to mind one day, and it, it was it was really eye-opening for me because I re- was remembering back to being at my grandparents' place. Uh, they lived on a farm, and alongside of the driveway, there was a long fence, probably 80 foot long, and, and my grandfather had put a little one-by-four on top of it, just kind of capped it off with a one-by-four. And I would climb up on that fence. It was really just a decorative fence running alongside. It didn't keep any any animals on one side or the other. I mean, we had the the other fencing in the pasture, kept the cows and, and the pigs and all those things where they were supposed to be. But this was just a decorative fence. And and my sister and myself and my cousin would, would go over there and play a lot of times. And I would climb up on that fence and we would see who, who could walk all the way down and get all the way to the end. And most of the time, you know, seven, eight years old, you get halfway down and it'd be a little shaky and, and you were doing good. The next thing you know, you'd lose your balance and you'd fall off. After a while of doing it, I would go over there and do it just by myself. Just to, I was constantly just challenging myself to see if I could walk. And I finally got to where I could walk the entire length of that fence. And then the next challenge was to, was to try to turn around without falling and head back the other way. And I got to where I could turn around and start walking back. You know what? I got pretty good at walking the fence. But I got to thinking about it. That That's fun for a little while, but at some point you have to call it quits. At some point it gets tiresome. At some point you're eventually going to, going to fall off. At some point, you have to make a decision. I'm going to get down on one side of this fence or the other because to walk that fence, to live on that fence, can you imagine if I would have tried to live on that fence, walking that fence road? Can you imagine if grandma would say, it's supper time, come on in. I'd say, bring mine out here. I'm going to eat mine on the fence. What a miserable way to live. But it was that simple little example that reminded me and told me God spoke to me. And he said, this is what so many people do. They're trying to balance two worlds. They're trying to figure out which side I want to live on. Do I want to get off on this side or do I want to get off on this side? And they can't really make up their mind. So they just continue to walk the fence. But eventually you have to get on one side or the other. I believe that little example helped me get a handle on why it's so hard for some people to serve God. They're in, they're out. I love him. No, I, I can't stand it. Uh, you know, I no way. I'm on fire again. No, no, no. Now I'm cold again. Uh, no, I, you know, I, all these different decisions. Why are people like that? It's because that they have chosen to try to live life walking offense. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, I and we shall serve the Lord. That's not a fence walker talk right there. That's somebody that is unwavering. That's somebody that says, I don't care what you do, and I don't care what anybody else does. I know for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to go that direction. I know which side I'm going to serve. How many has ever hit a squirrel? A lot of dead squirrels on the road. 
Now, I can understand why a possum dies. Possums are just dumb. Dumb and ugly, right? And now we've got these uh, little armadillos working their way into our territory, and that's just a possum with a shell. They didn't get gifted any bigger brain than the possum did, and they're like, oh, I got a shell. I think I can handle that semi-truck coming down the road. Yeah, he'll bounce right over the top of this shell. No, he won't. He's going to be flattened just like the possum was. I can understand why we see a lot of possums on the road getting hit. You know, they get out in the middle of the road, and uh, you flash your lights at them, they just look at you and go, Don't move. I was like, get out of the way. I even try to slow down. I don't try to hit them. I'll slow down, give them time. Sometimes you just can't help it. Pop, there they go. <laughs> would you have been more comfortable if I would have said smush? I mean... There's a squirrel, a squirrel's fast. Uh, for the life of me, you know, squirrels don't really live on the ground that much. They live up in trees, right? I mean, uh, you come to my neighborhood, I mean, we've got an army of squirrels. I put my Christmas tree lights up on my house this year. I'm telling you, there's going to be some squirrels die next year at Christmas time. Oh, Doug Rice has not got the Christmas spirit when it comes to his Christmas lights and them squirrels. Those squirrels got up on my roof and chewed through my Christmas lights. I had five brand new pairs of uh, brand new sets of Christmas lights. And they ruined all but one. You start hitting me in the pocketbook, I'm I'm coming after you. You're fair game. There's going to be squirrel gravy in the Rice household here for long. Those squirrels, it's not because they're slow. The possum doesn't move very fast. But the squirrel's lightning quick. He can get wherever he needs to be super fast. You know why there's so many squirrels that die? Because they can't make up which side of the road they want to be on. They got it made. I'm like, that squirrel's, he's still 50 yards away, and he's already booking across the road. And all of a sudden, he turns around, sees me coming, he stops and thinks, well, should I go this Wait, no, should I go this way? And, and you're trying to miss him, but for crying out loud, I've driven on the other side of the road to go around him. He's running right in front of me. I'm like, that's a suicidal squirrel right there. He wanted to die. I didn't hit him. He ran in front of me. The squirrel doesn't get flattened because he doesn't have the ability to escape. He gets pancaked because he can't make up his mind which side of the road he wants to go to. You drive down my street, I guarantee you at least twice a week, there's another dead squirrel that was trying to make a decision and couldn't decide, do I want to go on that side or do I want to go on that side? Well, guess what? You wind up in the middle of the road, something's going to hit you sooner or later. So here's your super spiritual advice for today. Don't be a squirrel. Don't act spiritually squirrely. Make up your mind. Be unwavering. I've watched, I could, I could point around, but I'm going to point to Brother Charlie right here. I, I watched this man come in to the, to the church several years ago, 
And since he's come in, things have not always gone his way. Things have been tough at times. He's He's been, been heart-wrenching. He's got things that he deals with that nobody ever knows about. He walks through the doors. His, his smile is on. His praise is on. Who was it up here in this altar a little while ago? praying all by himself. Brother Charlie, he came down here. He said, I'm going to give God my praise. What's he doing? He's talking about, I am not going to be moved. I am unwavering. Doesn't matter what hardships come my way. Doesn't matter what battles I got to fight. I'm here and I'm here to stay. That spirit of unwavering. Spirit that won't give up. Choose this day who you will serve. And then serve him. Don't wait for a better deal to come along. Don't wait for somebody to walk up and and make you a better offer. Because I'm telling you this much right now. Anything that comes along that sounds like it's a better offer than the offer that God's got on the table is a big, fat lie. Don't you believe it? Because there's nothing greater than serving God. There's nothing better than giving him your life. There's no feeling that's any better than serving him. But you got to serve him with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. Something came up on my computer the other day that reminded me of a, a young man. I've, I know I've talked about him. Some of you knew him, some of you played softball with him. Nice kid. Name was Kevin. Kevin had a drug problem. Kevin was all messed up. But his sister had started coming to our church years ago. His sister had given her life to God, become good friends with my wife. His sister came to our house. There were always phone conversation. Our church prayed for Kevin. Kevin would show up every once in a while, come in enjoy whatever it was we were doing. He was about six foot four, big guy. He was a great big tall guy. My wife listened to a, a tape, a preaching tape. She gave it to Kevin's sister, who in turn gave it to him. Kevin took that tape home and began to listen to that that preacher preached on that old cassette tape. Something got a hold of him. He came to church, and uh, God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What a beautiful day that was. What an amazing time that was. Kevin had a desire to serve God. I remember teaching him how to play the drums. We we were pretty small church at the time at the church we were going to, and we all hands on deck, and we were constantly seeing if anybody would be interested in helping out. Taught Kevin to play drums. Kevin was times he was a little overzealous, a little overzealous at times, and that never really bothered any of us too much, but. I do remember one particular instance where our pastor was taking faith promise pledges, 
and the number came in, and Kevin was just a young teenager working a little minimum wage job, and the numbers came in, and I, <laughs> I remember our pastor getting up, and he screamed out this this massive number that had come in. We just raised, ah! so excited, and he spoke that number, and then <clears throat> immediately after church, he walked over to me, and his head was hanging low. He said, he said, two-thirds of that number, Kevin wrote down that he was going to give. He don't even make, he don't, but Kevin was walking in faith. Kevin was just this young believer that believed that God could do anything. I watched him grow up, get a good job where he could give like that. I have to wonder if God didn't see the faith of that, that young, zealous new convert I was doing the best that they could to just stay strong and believe that, that the God that they had decided to, to serve, the, the side of the fence that they had chosen to get off on, that they were fully committed to God and his kingdom. They believed that, that he, he believed that God could do anything. I have to wonder if God didn't give him that incredible job because of his faith. At age 32, Kevin was diagnosed. At 35, he passed away. It was a punch in the gut to those of us who knew him. But I'll never forget the story that was told to me. I wasn't in the room. The story that was told to me that all along the way, he never wavered. He just trusted God. He knew that God could heal him, but he also knew that if God didn't heal him, that he was going to be okay. And the story that was told to me that when Kevin drew his last breath, that he was looking at his wife with a big smile. Big smile on his face. I think he remembered the drug addict that he used to be. I think he remembered the lonely lost kid that he used to be. How God had blessed him with a wonderful wife, children. And when so many might waver, Kevin stood strong. He kept his spirit right, Brother Jones. He didn't become a Saul. When life didn't hand him everything that he maybe felt like it should have and when maybe God didn't do what he thought that God should do and what he knew God could do, he just stayed strong. Kind of like the lighthouse that's in this picture today. Battered by the winds battered by the storms, a beacon of hope to anyone who is lost out on the dark, treacherous waters. Would you stand with me? I don't know where you might be today in your walk with God. I've got a whole other page of notes here I, I'm not going to get to. I just feel the Lord beginning to move right now.
wherever you might be in your relationship with God, maybe it's not where you want it to be. Maybe there's been some things in your life that have caused you to question. Maybe some things have happened to you that don't seem fair and they're not fair. Maybe you've suffered at the hands of somebody and you wondered when they were going to get their just desserts only to see them seemingly prosper. I promise you this. There's coming a day when God is going to take care of everything that is wrong. He's going to straighten out everything that is crooked. He's going to reward those who were faithful. And he's going to bless those that were unwavering against the things that just pounded against them constantly day in and day out. I know it seems cliche, but really you you are that lighthouse. This church is that lighthouse. But our light is never more important, never shines brighter, never is more needed than when there is a massive storm brewing. On the beautiful clear nights, when the seas are calm and the wind is just right, that ship doesn't, oh, it may notice the lighthouse. It may see the light, but it doesn't really feel like it needs that lighthouse. But you let the winds change you let the waves begin to crash. Things began to spiral out of control. I promise you there's somebody on that ship that's looking, where's the light? Where's the light? Why? Because it gives them direction. It helps them understand where they are and where they need to try to get to. Paul wrote, I'm persuaded, convinced, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, things of the present nor things to come, height, depth, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not just that you can escape God. He's everywhere, omnipresent. There's one place that he's not unless you allow him. There's one place that he is not. And that's inside of you. Because you are the modern-day New Testament temple, and he will not go someplace that he's not been invited. So while you can look to the furthest star and know that his presence is there, you can read the psalmist as he writes about the pits of hell and says, you're there. There's one void 
one void that needs to still be filled, and that's inside of every human being. And if God's presence doesn't dwell inside of you, you're always going to have a sense of emptiness because there's nothing else that can fill that. There's only one thing that can bring that true peace, that true love. I don't know who I may be talking to today that maybe is wavering a little bit. Maybe you're questioning some things. The whys of life can sometimes just drive us a little bit crazy, to be honest with you. But I'm here to try to be that light for you today that says, hey, listen, now is not the time to quit. Now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to throw in the towel. Now is not the time to give in. See, there's no magic pill. There's no perfect prayer. No anointed preacher can preach good enough to hold someone whose mind isn't made up to serve God. This church is friendly. I love that about you. I love how you take care of guests and you greet people. And I love to see you out on the street, make conversation. I love hanging out with the people of God. I love hanging out with the people in this church. You're friendly people, as it should be, but there's no amount of friendliness that will be good enough to hold on to somebody who's not got their mind made up. If the trick was having enough Jesus, then Judas would have never become a betrayer. Saul would have remained king over Israel with Samuel to guide him. Samson's story would have ended much differently than dying under a collapsed building. But Judas became conflicted. Judas wavered. Saul wavered. He saw this young man. You know where it all started? It all started with David's victory over Goliath. The thing that saved the nation was the thing that caused Saul to begin his downward spiral. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Something in Saul's mind clicked. If you could have seen it, if you could have seen inside the mind of Saul, Saul that was so handsome, Saul that was so capable, Saul that was so anointed, something rocked him, something wavered him. The enemy would love to catch you wavering. To waver is to show a weak spot. But I've come to tell somebody today, somebody needs to recommit in this place today or for the first time ever. 
It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean everything changes overnight. It doesn't mean that you're going to walk in tomorrow and everything's going to be all right. It just means you're headed in the right direction. You can see the light shining through the storm. And you know that the lighthouse is pointing you towards safety. I wonder if you'd join me around this altar today. Might make it a little easier for those that maybe are uncomfortable that if you are uncomfortable and you don't want to come up, this is it's not trying to strong arm anybody, but if this message has spoken to you and you have found your place, found yourself in a place where you feel like you're being shaken a little bit, your faith, you're asking God for faith, but he says, I want you to ask for me unwavering. Never waver, never doubt. I want you to come up here and proclaim the promises of God over your life right now. Maybe you've never received the Holy Ghost, which is no more than God taking up residence inside of a human being. That can be your starting point today. They began to sing this song. I, I want you to just, I just want you to just open your heart, lift your hands right now if you would. Come on, everybody that's up here right now. Would you? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.